From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. I am joined by Jenny Brentis of the Weekside Podcast. Jenny, how's it going? I'm doing great, Gary. And we are joined by Connor Orr of the Weekside Podcast. Connor, how's it going? It's good. You kind of introduced the show like you and Jenny were hanging out, and then I imposed on this. But well, hi. Uh, uh, well, we started the first eight last week, Connor. So I guess yeah. you know maybe that's what he was setting up. Mm. Well, also, I was going to say, yeah. The the two of you are probably wondering why I called you in here on uh, on this Sunday evening, and you're both uh, fired. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, we're we're at part two of the mock draft, and uh, I want to get into it like this. Uh, as you know, we are a podcast of laws, and one of those laws is that uh, when we do the mock draft series, we do not undo picks from previous iterations. Oh. Now... When we taped last week's show, and I will recap the first eight picks in case you missed the show. If you missed the show, shame on you, but I'll do you the favor and recap the top eight picks in a second. We are at pick nine with the Broncos, but pick eight to the Panthers, Jenny and I gave them Justin Fields. We finished the show, and a few hours later, the, the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold. Now, do we revisit that pick? I say no. And, and frankly, I think if Justin Fields falls to the Panthers, they should take him. I, I don't think you can pencil in Sam Darnold as your surefire uh, quarterback of the future. So that's my take on it. Okay, so before the show started, I said that I was definitely in support of redoing the pick. But you know what, Gary? I think you've changed my mind. I didn't realize that it was a law. You know, I, I knew that you said you didn't, <laughs> you didn't undo picks. But now that I know it's a law, I'm feeling a little bit more constrained by last week's pick. You also lay out a good argument. Maybe they're not banking on Sam Darnold. Maybe they end up trading Bridgewater and it's Darnold and a rookie. You know, it's, I would say that the call is up to you, Gary. It's it's your show. Connor and I are just guests. I, you were kind of brought in. Yeah, Connor, you are you are a juror in this. 
Jenny just made a terrible argument on behalf of her client. I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. There's no reason to not change the pick because the circumstances have totally changed unless it is your turn and then you're going to just make the same pick again, in which case we just going to have to move on. Like there's them we're kind of vice gripped into this. But I think it's if I'm the Panthers and I got Sam Darnold, I, I don't want Justin Fields because I've already picked up Sam Darnold's or promised to pick up Sam Darnold's fifth year option. Although I guess you can promise a lot of things in the NFL and not follow through on them. But um, or yeah. in life or in life. Yeah, that's true. Um yeah, I absolutely think this should be up for discussion. Um, mostly because I'm almost done with the mock draft that I'm contractually obligated to complete, and I have a different scenario, so it's going to mess me up today on this podcast. So it would make it a lot easier for me if you would if you would open the floor um, and, and maybe redo the pick. But don't don't do this on my accord. I've clearly imposed already on the podcast. So. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> let's let's walk it up to eight. Let's go through the first seven picks, and then we have like eight more picks to do. But we'll uh, we'll re- recap the first eight here. Uh, Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence. The Jets took Zach Wilson. The 49ers took Trey Lance. The Falcons took Penny Sewell. That that was the first sort of curveball here in our. Uh, we'll call this a what they should do kind of mock draft. And then uh, obviously, if your team does not match up with what we have assigned them, uh, you have a right to be upset. Uh, so the Falcons took uh, took the offensive tackle, Sewell. Uh, the Bengals took an offensive tackle, Rashawn Slater. Dolphins took Jamar Chase. The Lions took Devontae Smith. And then the Panthers. And we we gave the Panthers Justin Fields. And again, look, this Sam Darnold uh, fifth-year option, it's only guaranteed for injury, right? That That's still the rule with the new CBA, right? Correct. Um. I just, I don't know, are, are, you, are you banking on Sam Darnold after the first three seasons that he put together here? I I, I think you go with Justin Fields. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. And, and again, I, this is just from one person, you know, but, you know, I, I, I didn't hear a lot of glowing things personally about Justin Fields during this process. That doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of other people and slash analytics to support the fact that he may be the second best quarterback in this draft behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I, no quarterback um, has a better completion percentage to uh, throws beyond his first read than Justin Fields. So that kind of knocks down some of the initial criticisms. He's a phenomenal athlete. So I think there's a lot to like about him. Um, but, you know, that's not things I can personally vouch for. Um, so I don't know if I, if you're asking me, if I'm the GM of the Panthers, I have Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold, that feels good enough to me. And I use that pick to, to get something else I need, you know, Oh, go ahead. Jenny. No, I was just going to say that the the Panthers were grasping for quarterback options this off season. And it would make sense that they would try a lot of different things. So one could be trading for Darnold. The other could be drafting a quarterback. The worst case scenario. Well, no, this is not the worst. Worst case scenario is they both end up being bad quarterbacks and then you still don't have a quarterback. Uh, One bad case scenario (laughs) is that Darnold plays really well. And it's like, oh, well, we just spent the pick on Justin Fields. Well, move Justin Fields for a pick next uh, next offseason. I mean, it, it's shaping up to be a very weak uh, both draft class and free agency class for quarterbacks, and who knows? Maybe Tom Brady is retired. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger is retired. There's probably going to be a need for quarterbacks uh, next offseason, and Justin Fields, had he stayed in school again, might have been QB1 in the 2022 draft. So, uh, I, I guess let's, let's simply, let's put it this way. I will officially open it up to uh, uh, to an alternative for the Panthers here. But let's talk about who it would be. Uh, they're not going to take a receiver. Our, our top two tackles are off the board. Uh, they're not definitely not taking a receiver, but I would assume they're not. Uh, Kyle Pitts, probably the guy, if, if you're looking for uh, the long-awaited heir apparent to Greg Olson there in Carolina. So it, it is, and if either you want to, want to throw out another name here i just think they're going offense because they took all defense in last year's draft so uh for our purposes does this come down to kyle pitts versus justin fields to me the thing that's complicated about that right is you're saying that they're not going to go receiver and kyle pitts is not really a great blocker and he's probably going to play more x and slot than anything in the nfl like he's just going to be a big 
tight end. You know, I don't think that, you know, he's not, to me, I don't imagine him doing a lot of traditional tight end things, you know, so if receiver is already crowded, um, then I, I don't think that that's a pick you make. I think value wise, you probably just take him and figure it out if you're Carolina and you move the pieces around because it would be a phenomenal gift to, uh, to Sam Darnold. But I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. I mean, um, having fields there etched in stone already just sort of boxes us in a little bit. That's, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm very bothered by this. I'll unetch. I, I have officially unetched Connor. How about that? He is <laughs> wow. unetched. And, You're and breaking you can, the law. if you are ready to stand on the table for Kyle Pitts, we can, uh, we can do it here. And I do think Pitts is a better blocker than people give him credit for. I think he's so overwhelmingly good athletically that I think that he's not a good blocker, but I think he's a passable NFL blocker. I think they will be able to play him in line at some point, maybe not very early on, but um, pits versus fields. Will you, uh, will you blow this up, Connor? Will you swipe the, the draft card that was on its way in and replace it with your own? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think Pitts gets this far, A. Uh, B, I think that the Panthers uh, could use a lot of help on the offensive line. I mean, you have, like, guys like Elijah Vera Tucker. You have uh, Christian Derisaw. You know, uh, a lot of these guys that I think, uh, you know, might be somewhat interesting um, uh, and, and worth mentioning there. Uh, maybe Tevin Jenkins is a little bit too far down uh, for the conversation here, but I don't know. I like that idea. I mean, to me, um, you're building something uh, and you're trying to make your offense work um, and you can bump Cam Irving down because you just signed him. I mean, right now your left tackle is Cam Irving. You know, I think that there's probably, um, you know, some tea leaves to be read there that that's probably not 100% part of the plan either uh, in the long term. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I open the I open up the floor um, to, to to all picks, not just Kyle Pitts and, and Justin Fields. I moved it is to do interesting that. that Pitts is still on the board in our mock draft. Yeah, what was going on? But now that I'm looking back at the other picks, I mean, I feel fine about all of them. I mean, yeah, I was part we, of the process. So well, the two the two tackles came off the board four or five, which is kind of the twist for the Panthers here. True, and you guys didn't do trades. No, no, no. Trades. That's another law, Connor. Oh, okay, so how dare you? <laughs> Clearly not a listener of the show. Although I didn't, I didn't know the other law that you can't take, you can't take picks off the board. So, all right, uh, then I, I'm okay with either one of those two. I will, I will yield, and then I will take my, I, I will take my rightful turn in in the next area here. I'm going to let you guys kind of finish this off. And then I will enter the discussion with with the next series of picks. Jenny, you know what, Gary? Let's just stick with it. Let's stick with Justin yeah. Fields. I was going to say it, but I wanted to incept it and hear someone else say it. You've so. you've, you've converted me. <laughs> You're a skilled Fields. lawyer, Gary Grambling. <laughs> Justin Fields remains with the Panthers in our mock draft, and uh, that does it for our opening recap here. And now we can start the show. All right, we are running down eight more teams. That's actually just the next eight picks in this one. We don't have any uh, any duplicate teams at this point in the draft, not until you get down to, oh, I don't know, what, Jaguars at 25 or something like that? Yeah. No, Dolphins at 18. Oh, that's right. The, that's right. the first duplicate. Of course. Uh, but that's, that's for part three. So we are at, uh, we're at the Broncos at number nine, and uh, – I guess this starts with the quarterback conversation again. And for the purposes of our mock draft, Mac Jones is still on the board. Uh, and the question is, uh, look, is Mac Jones, <laughs> is Mac Jones as good as his sort of, uh, I don't know, draft season stock would suggest at this point? Or is he a guy that's just too much of a reach in the top 10 here? That's a good question. I think that a lot of this fits because, you know, I, I don't know. I'm like right in front of me, for example, like, you know, I have the Sports Info um, Solutions uh, College Handbook, which is great. I, I really like that in, in the lead up to the draft. And they had written a lot about how he's sort of best suited for, you know, a downhill sort of play action 
um, offense, which you could argue fits well with Denver. And if you're just like, you know, if you're reading the tea leaves, I mean, you know, Mac Jones was coached by, you know, a a lot of the people on that staff. um, You could probably imagine probably have close relationships with the Broncos. The Broncos have a very old, entrenched coaching staff, guys who have been around for a really really long Mm -hmm. time and guys who are probably going to have good relationships with, you know, Saban and his staff, uh, you know, which are kind of kind of look similar. And even now, like, you know, Doug Marone's there, Bill O'Brien's there. They weren't there last year, but it's not going to be hard for Pat Shermer to reach out to those guys. And if you remember, too, the Broncos did um, a ton of work on, on Jerry Judy last year. So they were in Tuscaloosa for a lot of this. They watched a lot of film. Um, they're already prepared for a lot of this. George Payton did not go to Mac Jones's pro day. He skipped it to go to Justin Fields's pro day. So read into that how you will. But I like Mac Jones here. I have him going to the Broncos in my mock draft. It makes sense to me. Um, I, I just don't think they could go into the season with Drew Locke. That would be cra- That would be crazy to me, especially if you're Vic Fangio. It's year three. You've had two losing seasons. Are you really signing up for another year of Drew Locke? Yeah, and they haven't made any bold moves at the quarterback position this offseason, and so it does seem like it's setting up for a draft pick and – that would seem to be in line with, you know, you make the change this offseason to having George Payton running football operations instead of John Elway, and it would make sense that you have sort of a a new person selecting the, the quarterback, and you clearly have a need at the position, and they haven't done anything else to address it, so it seems like this is the last route for them to go. They wanted some Fitzmagic reportedly this this offseason and didn't get it uh the other position they're probably looking at is our defensive side of the ball stuff probably linebacker and cornerback are the other things that come up with this team but um i continue to wonder about mac jones i'll wonder about it until he wins his third or fourth super bowl whether he is just the uh, is he a style of quarterback that just doesn't work as well in this league anymore uh and I guess the pocket passer always works. We see it every year in the postseason. Those are the guys who play deep in the postseason. But the guys who don't have that movement skill, that ability to create in their own time and space, if they if they fail, if they're not as sharp maneuvering in the pocket as as they have to be, it it's like they face plant worse than pretty much anyone at this point. But I'm a I'm open to Mac Jones here. I'm not a Mac Jones guy, but I do think uh, for the reasons Connor laid out. It makes some sense here. I, I guess it would come down to like a Mac Jones versus Micah Parsons uh, versus Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain type of j- debate in our uh, pretend war room. But um, <laughs> is it weird that exactly for the reasons that you said, he's a completely outdated prospect? I was like, that's why he's perfect for the Broncos. It's yeah. like Pat Shermer <laughs> is going to be like, this is the kind of guy that we need on our team. Like, you know, it's like that that entire team screams outdated offense, you know, and they got mm-hmm. rid of the guy who was going to run the next gen offense. And then they said, no, we don't want the Kyle Shanahan system anymore. We want the Pat Shermer offense. And so this is exactly why they would take Mac Jones. Like it all makes complete and total sense to me. So we will their... have f- five quarterbacks in the top nine. Wow. And the last yeah. time we had five quarterbacks in the first round was the 2018 draft. And in that case, there were four in the top 10, I believe. And then obviously Lamar Jackson went 32nd. So this would be something. I was looking at the Broncos play action rates with Drew Locke on a, on Saturday night and just weeping because they were really low and because that's how I was spending my Saturday night. But well, uh, that's what I was going to say. That seems yeah. like a, a stronger Yeehaw. reason for weeping <laughs> than the actual statistics themselves. So Remind the Broncos at nine, at your house. <laughs> the Broncos at nine are taking Drew Locke quarterback, Alabama. And uh, that kind of, that might exist. Well, we'll see. We'll get to the end. That might exhaust the quarterbacks for our, our mock draft series here. You mean, uh, um, Gary, you just said Drew Locke, quarterback, Alabama, which oh, I is did. really I something. Even, you even I typed even, it in the Google Doc, which <laughs> is really did. impressive. Freudian so his name is Mac Jones. His name is Mac Jones. Mac We're giving Mac Jones rather than a recommitment ceremony to Drew Locke at that point. But if somebody uh, wrote the wrong name on the draft card, that would really be something. 
<laughs> what Connor would we, Connor would have we to forego us. our first round pick. We that's how committed we are to Drew Locke. We just that want would be all a of you to know that. Yeah. yeah, Connor would have to swap one of his special draft cards in on the way to the uh, podium. <laughs> Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go places ready to unlock a world of entertainment philips roku tv has america's favorite tv streaming platform built in so you can watch live tv catch every game discover must-see shows and hit movies and get all the best streaming apps in one place like iheart for all your favorite music radio and podcasts Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline busy weekends are a breeze with american express platinum card 8 a.m wait to board plane in the centurion lounge <sighs> much better 2 p.m grab seats for the game 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, we are at the Cowboys at number 10. A lot of people circling defense for them because they just didn't play very good defense last year. Uh, They have some holes on the offensive line, which uh, we all kind of assume that that Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, uh, Tyron Smith thing was just going to go on forever. Uh, Most of those guys are still there, but they have some holes on the O-line. But obviously, they they have the receivers in place. They... uh, uh, they're paying quite a bit of money to their running back. They have their quarterback. So you're probably looking at, uh, what, cornerbacks? Uh, if you're Dan Quinn is running that defense now, and not that it's the classic Seahawks style. Everyone has their twist on that now. But if you're going to have Dan Quinn on as your defensive coordinator, you have to be able to generate a pass rush with that four-man, uh, with that four-man rush. I like cornerback here. Their secondary was so bad last year. They've made some changes this offseason. Obviously, Keanu Neal, Dan Quinn's former draft pick from Atlanta, they brought in. They drafted Trevon Diggs in the second round last year, so perhaps he takes a step forward. But I think cornerback is the pick. I'm totally on board with that. Um, I I think Patrick Sertain, J.C. Horn, you know, one of those guys – that works for me. That that makes a lot of sense. Because, you know, the defense was just so unbelievably bad last year. And I think that picking one player there to make them marginally less bad is probably better than an offensive player that makes a good unit uh, or a really good unit 
just a little bit better, you know, if that makes sense. Although Kyle Pitts still being on the board really is freaking me out a little bit. But <laughs> as as it should, uh, and maybe they could uh, they could take Kyle Pitts and then roll out a second football on uh, on every offensive snap and, uh, <laughs> and distribute it to all those guys that they're they've just they've just invested so much draft capital and uh, and now cap space in their receivers and tight ends at this point. I I I'd forgotten they'd given Blake Jarwin that big contract uh, since he got hurt last year, but. Um, yeah, the cornerbacks. I, Caleb Farley. I, I there's rumors about some some uh, some medical stuff with him. Does that knock him down? I think he was the top guy uh, at the position coming in. Uh, but I, I think you're if we're talking cornerback, we're probably talking Farley versus Patrick Sertain at this point. It seems like you were leaning edge rusher. Yeah, there's just no great edge rushers in this draft. Yeah, there's some there's some interesting guys. Uh, I think if you had your choice between uh, a top of the line cornerback and an edge rusher in uh, uh, in this year's draft, I think you have to go with the with the cornerback. I agree. Connor, do you have do you have an opinion? Farley versus Sertain? I, I think if Farley's healthy, I'd go Farley. But I I don't know that those are just like the rumblings now in draft world. I'm uh. uh... I have a good Patrick Sertain stat, if you want to hear it. I do. Um, so last year, um, quarterbacks targeting Patrick Sertain had an expected points added per game of negative 15.6. <laughs> it's incredible. Wow. Yeah, that's, good. that's really, really good. Um, I'm... Uh, I'm a little bit jaded because I covered the Jets when they made the D Milliner pick that, you know, uh, of high, high draft, highly drafted Alabama cornerbacks. Um, that said, um, I think you can't view those things in a vacuum. I thought he was very good against good receivers. And uh, I think he's uh, I think he's the guy, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's do it. Patrick Sertain, NFL bloodlines. Jones has loved that to the Cowboys. Uh, which brings us to the Giants with the 11th pick. Uh, plenty of defensive needs here. On top of that, uh, possibly offensive tackle again. I mean, how long are they going to be able to sort of lean on Nate Solder, who's been something of an underwhelming free agent addition there anyway? So, uh, again, our top two offensive tackles are off the board, or, or the top two, sort of consensus top two in, in Sewell and Slater. Uh, which kind of leaves the board open for a bunch of defensive guys. Or again, I don't know, Evan Egram is there. Kyle Pitts is probably better. But we'll, I don't know, we'll uh, we'll talk it out here. I don't know. I, the Dave Gettleman factor here is so, it just looms so large, you know. Um, asking around, it seems like Joe Judge is going gonna, is gonna to have you know, a little bit more of a say in this, and he's got a really interesting direction uh, in terms of where he wants to take this. But, you know, I don't know if the temptation is going to be there for Dave Gettleman to take another offensive lineman because it does two things. It fits into his philosophy, which he's been very steadfastly married to for a long time, which is, you know, the big people, you control the line of scrimmage, and, you know, they're not going to be able to control the line of scrimmage with that offensive line this year. There's just no possible way they're going to do that. And so do you take someone like Elijah Vera Tucker, who's going to, you know, stand in for Kevin Zeitler and, you know, be that middle, um, that, that midline guy for a long time for you. And it helps Saquon Barkley does something like that. Or, um, does he do something out of character? There's still a lot of really good receivers there. Do you give any consideration to the fact that one of these guys that you could take, these pass-catching weapons, even though you have a glut, so to speak, you're also taking it away from the Eagles who are picking right behind you? Are you worried about that at all? Does that concern you? Um, I don't know. So I think that there's a lot of at play here, but Gettleman is still Gettleman, and, and he, he does have a pattern in, in kind of the way that he's operated over the years. Yeah, I mean... If the draft, if our mock had gone differently and either Sewell or Slater was still on the board, you could see the Giants going that direction. But of course, that is not the way that our draft has gone, Gary, probably due to me <laughs> mucking things up. Um, so it is 
sort of impossible to notice that Pitts is still on the board. And I know that's not the purpose of the show. In a sense, Gary, it's supposed to be talking about their needs and then matching them to the teams. Um, So, yeah, I mean, offensive line, cornerback, edge. Um, But, you know, they, they need playmakers. And they made a big splash receiver signing at free agent. But that's not to say you can't get another player. And... I agree. Pitts is better than ever Ingram and you know, Joe judge's mentor is really going all in on the tight ends this off season. So maybe he'll follow suit. Pitts is really interesting here. I think Micah Parsons is interesting as just sort of a, a do it all linebacker for Patrick Graham. He certainly fits, uh, you know, what you would want in sort of a, a Patriot style. Uh, let's do a lot of things. Well, type of, a type of defense here uh i will say connor the, the one thing with gettleman factoring in the eagles remember when he signed golden tate a couple years ago and just like gave the eagles a, a comp pick uh yeah. in exchange for that signing i yeah i don't i don't know i i think he wouldn't mind at all helping the eagles a little bit when it comes <laughs> right down to it uh what's the one position the giants don't draft in the first round ever right it's linebacker yeah. The Giants, yeah. I don't think, have drafted a first-round linebacker since Carl Banks, right? Yeah. Wasn't that our, uh, our Lawrence Taylor? Yeah, because I, I remember one time I, I had to do some, like, random mock pick, and I, I there weren't a lot of great options on the board, and I, I, I guess I just was like, well, ah, maybe Alec Ogletree is in the mix, and I got skewered for it, Connor, because of that fact that you just Same mentioned. Same exact thing for me and C.J. Mosley. Um, because C.J. Mosley at the Chelsea Piers draft event, um, you know, when you cover the Giants, you just run around to all those people and say, have you talked to the Giants? Have you talked to the Giants? Have you talked to the Giants? And he said, yeah, and they said that they want to draft me. And so I said, great. <laughs> and, and I wrote it, and then everybody got really upset. And, uh, you know, they, and they took Odo Beckham anyway, so everything worked out. All right. Kyle Pitts, that's a curveball. I like curveballs. Do you though, or did you just invite me onto the show? I've made a mess of it, and next year you'll just say to Connor, "Hey, let's just not mention to Jenny we're we're doing the show." I was grinding my teeth as I said, "I like curveballs." No, I do like curveballs. Okay, I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, if they if he was there in some unbelievable scenario, I, I I would guess that they would trip over themselves to turn this card in. So yes, all right, let's let's do it. Kyle Pitts to the Giants. Uh, only, I guess, uh, the, one more season of watching Evan Engram have the ball bounce off his hands a little, a little too frequently. Uh, which brings us to the Eagles. Hey, look, the Eagles. I, I think the Eagles ideally would uh, would land Kyle Pitts in their dream mock draft, though they apparently don't think so since they moved down from six to twelve here. Uh, but if you're the Eagles, you're probably still looking at wide receiver as a need. You're probably still looking at cornerback for a need. That's been the case for like the last three years, those two positions there. Right. Uh, and then uh, and then tight end. But if Pitts is off the board, you're probably not going to see another tight end go in the first round here. Yeah, receiver is just such a dire need for them right now. And if they are going to go forward with seeing if Jalen Hurts could work this year, or at least giving him a, a shot to, to, to prove himself, then you need to put players around him. But we've been saying this in every other circumstance the last few years. Well, Wentz needs better players around him and got to get receivers. And why, why isn't this working out? So, I, I mean, it's just, as you said, Gary, it's been the perpetual question. Yeah, I, I think we're pinning ourselves a little bit too, because we've taken of the three uh, of the, of the three big receivers, we've kind of taken the two bigger bodied receivers off, off the table. And so now if you're the Eagles, right, you're looking at a Jalen Rieger, like uh, Waddle combination maybe. And, you know, I don't know how much, I mean, I'm, that's good, you know, but it, do you want a little bit more of a variation there in terms of, you know, body type and, and really receiver type? I don't know if that matters to them at this point, or if they just want guys who are going to get open, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I do love it. Nothing makes me happier than complementary skill sets among receivers. I just think it's one of the most, most magical things in the world. But uh, I do think Jalen Waddles too 
I think he's too talented to sort of pencil him in as a stylistically does he fit. I think he is a guy that you just say if we can't make him fit, we have we have bigger issues than uh, than just filling out a receiver depth chart. That's true. And if you're Nick Sirianni, you would probably like um, uh, to go into the season uh, not drawing up a bunch of Fulgham stuff, you know. Fulgham's good, but you know you you just need a little bit you, you need a little bit more because they're probably going to trade Zach Ertz during the draft too, right? So at some point you would imagine that that's going to happen. So yeah. um, getting targets back somewhere for Jalen Hurts is probably going to be something that you're going to have to do there. That's a lot of Jalen though too. Hurts, Rieger, and Waddle. That is, yeah. You know, is that a consideration? If, yeah. You know, if you're the Eagles, I don't know. <laughs> there's every time you say Jalen, like three people are going to turn yeah. around the locker room, and that's chaos. Yeah. Communication issues. They'll have to work through that. Chip but, Kelly uh, would have never stood for this. <laughs> but we will give them Jalen Waddle at twelve to the Eagles here, which uh, which brings us to the Chargers, and do they uh, do they continue to build around? Justin Herbert on the offensive line. Do they uh, do they turn to the defense at some point and and try and build up a, uh, an aging unit at this point? Uh, what do they do? Everybody yell their ideas at the same time. Jenny, what do you think? I think offensive line would be a strong consideration here. Um, they've certainly added in free agency, but I think they could benefit from continuing to add in the draft i agree i mean really what you're looking to replace target wise is is basically hunter henry right which i think you could do in the second or the third round of the draft like you could find something comparable um you know just to to help your offense but if you get someone like I, i mean i don't know where they're where they're looking but you know that that tackle spot to me that left tackle spot is a super glaring issue for them and something that they definitely need to uh, um, to get fixed. I, I think that's uh, you know I, um, among the more glaring like need based picks that that a team would need to make that would make some sense here. I think you could even reach a little bit and, and grab somebody. The offensive tackle class is not that bad beyond the top two guys. Like I do think that there's some some decent talent there. Now it's corner an, is another glaring need too. True. It's an unusually deep tackle class this year, offensive tackle class. We, we just don't see that anymore in the league. Um, I I don't know. I I would be curious to see Elijah Vera Tucker get a shot at offensive tackle, but I, I understand most teams have penciled him in as a guard. So who are we looking at here? Kind of probably uh, someone in the uh, Derisaw, uh Tevin Jenkins type of mold here uh, as as sort of a bigger bodied. Uh, if you were pessimistic, you would pencil them as right tackles. But I, I think, uh, especially now that the positions are kind of interchangeable anyway, I, I think that's fine going left tackle with someone like that. Yeah, I like Derisaw. Um, I, I think he, uh, um, I think he works there. Um, in his entire career at Virginia Tech, uh, he only allowed ten pressures, ten quarterback pressures over an entire collegiate career. That's pretty amazing. So um, I, I think Justin Herbert would appreciate that. That that's something that uh, I think that's something he would like. I think so too. Let's give him a let's let's give him Christian Derisaw, Virginia Tech offensive tackle to the Chargers at thirteen. Uh, real quick uh, part two recap here: We had the Broncos taking Mac Jones. We had the Cowboys taking Patrick Sertain. Uh, the Giants taking Kyle Pitts. The Eagles take Jalen Waddle, and the Chargers take Christian Derisaw at thirteen. Which brings us to the Vikings, who uh, I don't know they they have all these draft picks is it they they have like a thousand draft picks uh in this in this draft so uh i guess they can stand to roll the dice a little bit at the top here we know they have tried to bring in that complimentary edge rusher for uh daniel hunter uh to play opposite him that did not work out with ngakwe and that's a that's a need there and they i don't know just until the end of time they're gonna be looking for offensive linemen uh in minnesota because i i think they I think they have guys who hold up pretty well as run blockers. They just they have so many guys on that line who cannot pass protect for any like for, just it's uh, it's been a disaster for uh, I don't know 
the last decade. So those are needs. Safety with Anthony Harris going away. Do you get someone to complement or maybe even long-term replace Harrison Smith at this point? Uh, lots of uh, lots of needs on the Vikings all of a sudden. Yeah, they have a lot of work to do. I think those two positions that you outlined in the trenches on both sides, you know, edge rusher and offensive liner are the two glaring ones, as well as, you know, adding to the need at edge rusher is the uncertainty about Daniel Hunter's future. Uh, I guess unhappy with his contract and he's still coming off of the the neck injury that uh, sidelined him in 2020. So I think that sort of adds to to the need there. But as you said, Gary, maybe it doesn't make sense to take an edge that high this year. It's an interesting, it's an interesting like thought, right? Like, I don't know, like, is it as bad as we're making it out to be? Um, Or, you know, is there some talent to be found there? I don't know. I mean, if you're the Vikings, is there um, an excitement factor essentially in the fact that you get to set the table here and you get your choice of every, edge rusher in the draft um I don't I don't know if that's an attraction um but if you're Mike Zimmer who is so defensively focused and is going to steer everything that way anyway um if it's not something in the secondary I think we would be asking ourselves probably a similar question about safety anyway right is is it too early to take a safety the the Minnesota loves layering cornerbacks so maybe it's not too early to take a cornerback there um but I don't know. I think there's an attraction to the fact that maybe if it's not a phenomenal edge class, you still get the one guy that you view as better than everybody else at the position. I think there's a couple of things to be said here. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I can't imagine them going cornerback again, although uh, I, I guess Jeff Gladney's uh, issues with a domestic violence arrest. Uh, I mean, can they, can they count on him ever playing football again? We're going to find out. Uh, when you're looking at the value of safeties in the league right now, with so many teams going cover two looks, it, it's the just the position so devalued at this point across the league. And if you're looking at the edge guys, again, I'm not crazy about any of the edge guys. You're probably looking at uh, Gregory Rousseau, Jalen Phillips, and uh, and Quiddy Pay here at this point. The one thing you would say about taking one of them in round one is obviously Zimmer wants that complimentary edge to Daniil Hunter. That's why they went out and got Ngakwe. The issue with Ngakwe, even if he had a great year last year and and the Vikings made the playoffs and all kind of worked out, you're going to basically have to pay him more than Daniil Hunter. And that just sort of rubs the salt in the wounds of Daniil Hunter wanting the bigger contract anyway. We know the Vikings are are not in great cap shape uh, regardless. So it's almost like taking this first-round edge rusher, or if they like guy in the second round, basically finding that complimentary edge rusher in the draft gives you that excuse to say to Neil Hunter, well, you know, we brought in a guy, we're not paying him more than you. Like, I'm sure they'll they'll do right by Hunter on the contract anyway, but it sort of takes a little bit of that heat off of it if you get this guy in on the, uh, as, as I would say, artificially deflated rookie wage scale contract here. That's a lot of things to consider, Gary. You said maybe a few things, but that's a lot of, lot to chew on there. It is. It is. And this is this is uh this is what they're doing in Minnesota right now as you all try to sleep or listen to a podcast or possibly both at the same time. This is what you <laughs> listen to while you try to doze off. Um so yeah, I I know I think it's down to like I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know if either of you have an opinion on on the top edge in this class. I think it's Rousseau. Uh, I'm open to arguments because, again, I think all these guys have their charms and their flaws, and that's just the way life is going to go. If it's not one of the edge guys, you're probably talking, you know, maybe you're talking Elijah Vera Tucker at this point uh, and address the offensive line here. I just I I don't think they're going back to the secondary at this point. I agree with that. Yeah, I I agree. Um, My favorite edge player in the draft is is Jalen Phillips but I think if you're looking for more of a stylistic fit it might be um Quiddy Pay. I mean that's who I have him uh the Vikings taking in in my draft um my mock draft um oh for a four game season this basically for pay and and in 2020 and he had 17 hurries 23 quarterback hits over four games that's pretty good um that's that's incredibly productive, and so I think that stands out. 
Um, everyone seemed to be uh, going wild about the pro day, and, and that seemed to go well. So I don't know. I, I, I think he makes some sense there. Um, but it it is what it is. You know, if you don't see the positional value there, I, I could easily see them just going with the best player available, you know? Let me, uh, let me ask you this. I think the Vikings developed those edge guys so well. I think they can look at this class and say, well, who's got the biggest upside? Is it Jalen Phillips, who, you know, he's a bit of a one-year wonder, you know, a top, uh, top high school recruit who, uh, you know, almost walked away from football at one point after he left UCLA and then reemerged at Miami as this, as this stud last season. Do they look at him and say, this is the guy we can, we can mold into the best possible player uh, because we've seen our staff do that before? Or do they, you know, I, I think they go that over uh, necessarily production on the, uh, at the college level. That's a good point. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it, file this under like super meaningless things, but I, I did find it interesting that Miami's defensive coordinator called him like the best player that he's coached like in his entire career. And I think he's, he, I mean, he's been coaching for like 35 years or something like that, that guy. And again, I mean, that's what you say, um, you know, around this time in the draft to try to get your players selected higher. But it, it seemed to be, um, you know, just an interesting thing to go out on a limb and, and tag on a guy. So I, I, I do think that's interesting at least. And again, I mean, you're going to need, you're going to need high upside and you're going to need it immediately in that division. You know, you, you can't really afford to spend time developing a guy. So maybe that makes sense. You know, I, I, I do agree. I think that's a good point there. Let's do Jalen Phillips here to the Vikings. If there are no, uh, if there are no objections uh, as the first edge guy off the board here in our mock draft exercise. Sounds good, Gary. And that will bring us to the Patriots. And again, as we've discussed, we're a podcast of laws. We do not do trade-ups in this. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You guys do radio hits. We do radio hits all the time uh, around the nation, around the world. And uh, everyone wants to know what the Patriots are going to do. Are the Patriots going to trade up? uh, And you just shrug your shoulders and say, like, they usually don't. But... If you look at their last four draft classes, those haven't been very good draft classes, and that's why they're in the position that they are in. So gut feeling, uh, do the Patriots trade up in this draft and try and get one of the quarterbacks? My gut feeling is a no. Interesting. What makes you think that? Just my gut, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, you know I, I, I don't know. I... I'm just not sure that I see them falling in love with a guy to do that for. I don't know. What do you think, Connor? Well, this see, this is the part of my process every year when I'm filling out the mock draft and I'm trying to gauge what Jenny knows and uh, when (laughs) very little, Connor, is what you should ascertain. And when she has a take like this, and I have the Patriots taking a quarterback. It makes me extremely nervous, and it makes me want to rip up uh, everything that I have written down so far. Um, because uh, if you're not feeling it, then I'm not. Then no, I'm not but you have you know. you know different scenarios, and in this mock where we're at right now, five quarterbacks have gone in the top nine. Right, which is a lot. Like, which is I, a lot. Yeah, and so in this scenario, like I don't necessarily see them taking somebody as it's constructed. Um, if we're following, if if this is a real universe and this is something that's actually happening, um, maybe New England uh, tries to develop one of these second tier guys, which we're now hearing a lot about. You know, there's some buzz for some of the kind of those second and third round guys that, that might be available and, and it might be a good part of this class. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, um, if you're Belichick, I don't know what you're necessarily looking for here. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good linebackers in this class. Um, there's still good wide receivers. Um, if, if Waddle went to the Eagles here at 12, you still have a guy like maybe Rashad Bateman, um, that can help you round this out and, and turn this into a powerhouse. But to me, it's like, what, what was the point of going out and getting all these guys if you're not going to have a quarterback that can stretch the field beyond what Cam Newton provides you? Like To me, the offseason felt like it was setting itself up for uh, another quarterback, unless 
this uh, there's something that I was missing maybe about what Cam Newton could do on film last year. All right. Well, the 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 quarterbacks are thin here. I I don't know. I mean, it, you're probably not going like a like a Davis Mills type. Yeah, I mean, that's, that would be the next. Yeah. So, if we're if we're stepping away from quarterback, and uh, and again in our exercise, the top five are off the board at this point. Uh, do you do you chase a? We have Caleb Farley on the board. Do you chase him as as a Stephon Gilmore heir apparent? Uh, Micah Parsons very much fits the Patriots style mold as far as what he does at linebacker. Mm-hmm. And uh, and look, they 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 never really go edge rusher. Uh, they tend to try and pick those guys out on uh, on day two it hasn't worked terribly well the last couple of years but uh that's uh that's kind of their mo but uh i did to me to me this is like a farley versus parsons call i'd go parsons here uh just as a guy who really fits what they uh, what they do in foxborough yeah i think parsons is a good fit i was going to say that cornerback is a little bit of a wild card just because yeah. how central it is to Belichick's defense and mm-hmm. the fact that this might be the last year with Gilmore. Um, but if you if it's down to Parsons versus Farley, I, I think you're right in Parsons being the pick there. And he's a very explosive player that can, you know, they, they, they've been, they, they need a difference maker. They need difference makers everywhere, right? As, you know, they're trying to rebound from last season. And, and Parsons is that player who just kind of, makes an impact all over the field. I think that's a Vrentis consensus pick there then. Micah Parsons. Nittany Lion. Uh, I mean, you know. To the Patriots. That's, that's, that's secondary, Connor. <laughs> and it, that brings us to the final pick of this show, which is the Cardinals at 16. Uh, I mean, look, they, they need a cornerback. We just talked Caleb Farley a little bit. If, if they don't go cornerback, they could probably use some reinforcements uh, on the offensive line. This is also probably one of the teams uh, we should we should whisper this in podcast land, but but uh, they they do need a running back. So, you know, do they do they like one of these running? I did like a Najee Harris or, or Travis Etienne or one of those guys. But cornerback uh, and offensive line probably feel like the most glaring needs at this point. You know what I think their most glaring need is? It's wide receiver. And let me tell you why. Uh, not not a single, uh, li- like all the other units are so bad or average that drafting one player at any of these positions is not going to turn them into a special team or fix any of their problems. But drafting one of these guys out of the generational receiver class and making him your number four guy and increasing the amount of time that you're able to go four wide. They do it 35% of the time, which is way more than anybody else in the league already. But why not do it all the dang time and make yourself impossible to stop and just outscore everybody else in the division and then, you know, and then turn your game over to the pass rushers that you got in the offseason. You still have Chandler Jones, you have JJ Watt. To me, like that would be the situation where I would pound the table for another one of these wide receivers, make it so you're just averaging 35 points a game and uh, and try to push the table that way. Because you take one average offensive lineman in the middle of this round, and it's not going to make your offensive line that much better. You take one cornerback to try to replace Patrick Peterson, and it's going to take him a lot of time. You know, When's the last time, really, maybe outside of, Lattimore that we've seen uh, Denzel Ward where a guy comes in first year and plays to a level where um, he he earns that first round that theoretical first round pick status but receivers I mean you know I don't know I I love that you you make yourself so ridiculously strong that Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella is your number four wide receiver and they're all on the field at the same time Connor that's a pretty compelling argument I'm still sticking with corner for the Cardinals, <laughs> but I, I really liked how you laid that out. It, it's just such an acute need uh, at that position with Patrick Peterson gone and they're, where they're sitting in the draft, they should be able to get, say, the second best corner on the board potentially, and that's how it's shaking out in our mock at least. And so I think that would be a really good outcome for them. It is a great point, though, about Connor, and, and they they. I mean, look, that offense is basically a bunch of dudes running ISO routes. They they don't really create a whole lot of opportunities for, for receivers to sort of get schemed open. So you need great receivers who can win one-on-one. Uh, that said, I also would rather take a cornerback here. I think they should go receiver round two. I, I think they should do it day two. 
But uh, I, I think here they go cornerback. You guys are just ruining time time for me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I see I seed the floor. Caleb Farley, Jenny? Sounds good. Caleb Farley. And that uh, that does it for uh, for part two uh, of our of our mock draft series here. And I'll do a a very fast recap of the sixteen picks uh, so far. And then you can uh, you can tune in next week and and get the penultimate episode of the series. Uh, number one, Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence at two. The Jets take Zach Wilson. Three, 49ers take Trey Lance. Four, the Falcons take Penny Sewell, the uh, Oregon offensive tackle at five. The Bengals take Rashawn Slater. I don't know why I pronounce it Rashawn. Let me do that one more time, Shelby. At five, the Bengals take Rashawn Slater, Northwestern offensive tackle. Six, the Dolphins take Jamar Chase. Lions take Devontae Smith at seven. Panthers settle on Justin Fields with the eighth pick after a, uh, a long, drawn-out debate there. Uh, at number nine, the Broncos take Mac Jones. Cowboys at 10 take Patrick Sertan the second. Uh, 11, Giants take Kyle Pitts. 12, Eagles take Jalen Waddle. 13, Chargers take Christian Derisaw. 14, the Vikings take Jalen Phillips. 15, the Patriots take Micah Parsons. And at 16, the Cardinals take Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech. Uh, Jenny, Connor, we'll do this again next week and then one more week after that, and then we'll have a a mock draft. Sounds great, Gary. This has been really fun. Then after this, we can mock draft the best mock draft picks that didn't make it into this mock draft. It'll be great. That's a plan. I think that's absolutely a plan. Just content creating content. You guys have your your mock drafts. Connor's is going to be out this week on Tuesday. Jenny's, I think, is a week from Tuesday. And uh, it's just going to be mock draft chaos. So many mock drafts, you'll you'll just hate mock drafts by the time it's all said and done. But if you did, we could stop doing them. So really (laughs) actually hate it. You know what I mean? I got really close to the microphone there, which I wasn't supposed to do. But, you know, if you if you really do stop liking them, then then we won't do them as much, you know. But but if you like them, then we're going to do them. So good advice, Connor. It's up to you guys out there. That is wise words to wrap up part two of the mock draft series. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Brentis, Connor Orr, and me, Gary Gremling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, please leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Six PM. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 